All right, so this morning, I want to talk about surrendering, uh, not giving up. There is a difference between surrendering and giving up. And I want to talk about surrendering this morning. Now, it's interesting that we're sort of between Christmas and Easter, but I feel that um, this is an important time, and if there wasn't Christmas, there wouldn't have been Easter. So, in the spirit of no waste, I have, um, I'm waiting for new lenses for my glasses. Note I say new lenses because I don't need new glasses. So, I have not brought my Bible with me. I have it printed here in 16 point. So, you can turn to your Bible, but I will be looking at my notes, okay? So, we're going to look at Luke chapter 1, verses 5 to 36. We're going to talk about the birth of two babies. So let's pray before we go there. Father, I just thank you, Lord, that as we read your word this morning, that you, Lord, will not only just touch our minds and cause us to think, Lord, but that you will touch our hearts. And Lord, it's with a heart change that we change. And as we change, those around us change. And Lord, we just pray that we will be uh, agents of change, uh, both in our households and beyond. Lord, I just pray that your word would rest in people's hearts and agitate for good in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Luke chapter 1, verse 5, starting at verse 5. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord. They were blameless. I'd like to read that again. They were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord. They were blameless. You know, sometimes people try to find sin in others' lives. But this, that verse 7 says, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. And often we try to find the reason for why we have certain situations in our lives. In the New Testament, the disciples said, is this man blind because of his own sin or the sin of his father? And Jesus said, no, it's for none of that. It's to bring glory to God. And in the same in this situation, they were both blameless, but they were also barren. So it's not a case of trying to find the sin, fix the sin, and fix the problem. No, this is about bringing glory to God and about God's timing, which is always perfect. Now, while he was serving, this is verse 8, now while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, it fell to him by lot to enter the, enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Now, what I would like to say there is, we read that, and I have read that verse I don't know how many times in the last 30 years, and I just thought, oh, well, he was on the roster. It was his turn. But actually, it was only going to be his turn once in his life. 
This was his day. This was his moment. There were so many priests that it would only be his duty once in his life. So this was the moment that he had waited on. This was his big time. He had been thinking about this. His father would have talked to him about this. They, they would have all talked about what happened when it was your moment, when you went in. What did you feel? What did you experience? What happened in that moment? This was a big day. So it fell to him by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. So this was his moment, and the entire congregation were waiting and praying with him. They were holding him. They were thinking about him. They were excited. They were, the, the, the atmosphere would have been electric. The environment for this would have been perfect for a moment of revelation, a moment of wisdom, a moment of Wow! Everyone was with him. It says, and the whole multitude of the people were praying outside. They were with him in that moment. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. So he goes in. He's expecting something wild because this is what happens in this moment. But then an angel appears. And what happens? He was troubled when he saw him. And fear fell upon him. Have you ever had fear fall upon you? You know, it, it, it just comes. It comes out of nowhere, and it falls upon you. Now, here he is in the Holy of Holies with an entire multitude of people praying for him, and fear falls upon him. Bit of a disconnect there. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. So far, a good word, don't you think? For he will be great before the Lord, and he shall drink no wine nor strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the sons of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. This is a great word to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Wow! If I got that word about a child that I was going to have, I would be ecstatic, especially since this is something that I have prayed for, especially now this is my moment. And in the moment, the angel appears and gives me a word, not just a word for the multitude are out there busy praying. He meets me intimately in that moment. He overshadows me in that moment in intimacy, knows the deepest things in my life. And Zechariah says, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. Wrong answer, Zechariah. You've seen this happen before. You're a man who studied the Torah. You would have known about Abraham and Sarah. You have answered, how shall, it, how shall this be? What do you mean? Like, how can this be? In total um, doubt and no faith. And the angel answered him and said, I am Gabriel. Now, there's only three angels that are mentioned in Scripture, archangels that are mentioned in Scripture by name, who stands in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent 
and unable to speak until the day these things come to pass, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. He clearly had forgotten what God had done before. And so he was struck dumb. He couldn't speak. So you can imagine all the people outside, and it says here in verse 21, and the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they wondered at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak to them, and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he made signs to them and remained dumb. I mean, you can imagine it's sort of like, you know, can you imagine? Can you imagine they're waiting for this big moment? They're about ready to get the rope because he had to go in there with a rope on. And they're thinking if he drops dead, we'll have to pull him out. And they're probably talking, do we pull him out? Do we leave him? Is he dead? Is he alive? Now he's just been struck dumb. And when his time of service has ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. And for five months, she hid herself saying, thus the Lord has done to me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. Moving forward now to the birth of Jesus. This angel Gabriel clearly, you know, he's sort of like the the Christian stork, you know, carries all the good news of babies. And it says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Hail, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Now, wouldn't that be a lovely greeting if an angel appeared to you and said, Ah, hello, you favored one of the Lord. God is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying. Different from not believing, she was troubled and considered in her mind what sort of greeting this might be. I accept that. She's thinking, where's this coming from? And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said, and Mary had every right to say this, because this had never happened before, how shall this be since I have no husband? Now, you see, Zechariah had evidence of his old age and his personal, you know, decrepitness. But she had never seen this happen. I mean, Abraham and Sarah conceived in their old age and decrepitness. And yet, This had never been done before, and believe me, has never been done again, although people would like you to believe it had, (laughs) especially teenage girls. So, no, I'm afraid, I'm afraid there is no more Virgin Marys, or Annas, or Alices, or Brendas. They're just, no, it's okay, but no. So, how shall this be since I have no husband? And the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your kinswoman Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God, 
nothing will be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaiden of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. And the angel departed from her. I love that. I looked it up in the message and it said, and Mary said, but you could put your name there. You could put Gigi. You could put Anna. You could put Alice. You could put Hannah. You could put Elise. Yes, I see it all now. I am the Lord's maid, ready to serve. Let it be with me just as you say. Oh, the J.B. Phillips version says, I belong to the Lord, body and soul. Let it happen as you say. And at this, the angel left her. You see, Mary went from that and sang a song, which we now call the Magnificat. Zachariah left, and he was struck dumb. I want to be the one singing. If the angel's going to appear to me, I want to listen. I want to allow myself to be overshadowed, and I want that which comes forth from me, which becomes incarnational, to be holy. I don't want it to be just a good idea. I want it to be birthed in the spirit, in that time of experiential faith where I sense the presence of God overshadowing me. And then as I ponder these things in my mind and process them, and then in due season, it will come forth. And what comes forth will be holy because it is God's timing and God's, God's deal, not just my ideal. So what is surrender? What is yielding to God? Let me tell you something. If you've got a teenager and you're teaching them to drive, a yield sign or a giveaway sign, yield is what they call it in Ireland. They have yield signs in Ireland. Um, giveaway sign indicates from the highway code that each driver must be prepared to stop if necessary to let the driver on the approach proceed. A driver who stops or slows down to let another vehicle through has yielded the right of way to that vehicle. So, first daughter who shall remain nameless but was of the age to drive is learning to drive. We're coming up to a giveaway sign and I say, slow, slow love. Sweetie, can you go slow, 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 stop! She failed to give way. Thankfully, it wasn't another driver, it was a sign and we ended up sitting on top of the sign. And we had to ring Rob and say, uh, we've had a little bit of an accident. Oh, who did you hit? Uh, well, we didn't hit we, anyone, we hit a sign. How did you hit a sign? What do you mean you hit a sign? We hit a sign that says, give way, and we're sitting on top of it. <laughs> he saw what we meant when the tow truck came. And for the next few weeks, we saw the same sign. That was that slow, slow, slow. What part of slow did you not get? Importantly, if you are approaching a give way sign and there is no danger of colliding with another vehicle or a pedestrian or a bicycle rider crossing the road, you do not have to stop at the give way sign, which is different from a stop sign, right? Before proceeding, but you must slow down and be prepared to stop if this becomes necessary. 
So you can be going ahead with the vision God's giving you, but you must always be prepared to yield to him coming through. It may not mean you have to stop, but it may mean you have to slow down what you're doing to stop you colliding and taking yourself off track or up onto a sign, which renders you useless. So sometimes to give way to the Spirit of God in your life, to yield to the Spirit of God in your life, you need to slow down rather than speed up. That's what giving way or surrendering is about. Slowing down, looking around you, being aware of what is going on, picking up what God is doing in the spirit, in the hour, in the time, which was different from what happened 10 minutes ago, 10 years ago. It is what is happening now. You know, there's no point in a driver. Can you imagine a policeman saying, you know, well, how, madam, did you end up on that sign? Well, um, there was no one telling me an hour ago that I should have stopped. Or five years ago, that sign wasn't there. It's irrelevant. What is happening now? What is Jesus asking you to surrender to or give way to now? Yielding may mean stopping or it may simply mean slowing down and being aware of what is going on. In our very busy society, we put very little weight on awareness. We are very good at seeing a cause and taking an action. We are not good at looking at the antecedent or what came before. So therefore, we just have cause, effect, and action. And we never reflect or rarely reflect, how can we stop this happening again? How can we change this cycle in our lives? How can we stop going around the same mountain? Well, slow down and look to see what direction God is coming at you. Today, God is inviting you to surrender. He's inviting you to yield to something, to someone greater. How amazing is that? When God has totally got your back, 100% of the time, I love the scripture which says there is no shadow of turning with him. And, and that is the image there is of a sundial. And, and it's always always light. It's always, the sun is always at its zenith. He is always 100% behind you. He never has a bad thought or a bad day or a bad night. He is always 100% behind you. And this is the person who's asking you to surrender and yield to him. I mean, what a relief. What a relief that we have someone that is 100% behind us. You know, I'm an only child and I have two amazing parents. And I know many of you have maybe not had good parents or you maybe don't have parents any longer. But I have been blessed and I have good parents. And I know that no matter what, in their last breath, all they want is for good for me. That's all they want. And I know that I will miss that terribly because People around you, we are all human, and we have not given birth to you, although sometimes it feels like it, let me tell you. But, but God only ever wants good for you. Surrendering to Christ and to his will and reign in our lives. Not our will, but his be done. 
You know, we want to be like Jesus, but are we prepared to drink the cup? Are we prepared to go into a place not of isolation, but of solitude with Christ? Are we prepared to yield our faith to that place where if we were just by ourselves in a prison cell without anyone encouraging us, would we be able to say that all is well with us? Have we surrendered to that degree? Are we prepared to? Because life is actually a, a series of everyday surrendering to little deaths and little resurrections leading us towards the final death and the final resurrection. The last breath that we take is a surrender to God in order for a resurrection to eternal life. Today, the little death let go of that desire of yours in order to give way to God's desire to encourage a person, to love a person, to see things from their perspective, to invite in the other, to see the different from a different viewpoint. Instead of seeing different as different and therefore wrong, let's give way to different as new and, and enlarging and spacious and also part of God's creation and God's heart and the reflection of who he is. If you're used to only ever hanging out with young people, go and speak to the oldest person you can see in the room. And by the way, if the oldest person in the room is inundated with young people, don't necessarily feel that you are the oldest person in the room. You're the only one they could find. If you're used to only talking to people who are like you in terms of their educational standards, you go and find somebody who, who is not. You learn what it's like to be other. Because in you doing that, it changes your ability. You see, love, we talk about loving people, but often we don't even tolerate their difference. And tolerating or understanding or putting ourselves in giving way to a difference is the bridge to love. And you walk across that bridge with compassion. Passion without the calm, without the with, is bullying and challenging and aggravating. But when you go with that person, with the passion of Christ, with that desire to yield, to really learn, to really know, to really understand, to really get a moment that changes your world, like Mary's moment of understanding, you know, the angel said, you know, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. I mean, that probably would have been enough to freak me out. But she was like, no, 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 this is good. You've told me. I'm just going, I don't know how this is going to happen, but you've told me. So allow yourselves to be overshadowed. We often talk about the cup, meaning the sacrifice of Jesus laying down his life around Easter time. And as disciples, we are asked to lay down our lives daily, hourly, sometimes moment by moment. Leaving our house this morning, it was a moment by moment. Do I pick this up? If I pick this up, I will engage in this, which will happen to this, and then happen to this, and then we'll go around in a very bad cycle. So I chose to lay down half, sort of, half setting up. I said, we'll talk when I get home. You have to think about how is this going to look. Yesterday, I was studying, and I went upstairs, and the few things that I had asked my teenage kids to do, they hadn't done. I have made a way for everything to happen easily in our house. I've got a robot. 
Gigi said to me, oh, you shouldn't get robots. That takes away from people potentially earning income. I said, did it work in this household? I offered and I said, Ernie, I turn him on from my mobile phone. He does what he needs to do and he goes back to his box and he doesn't complain. You never do what you're told when you're told and you always complain. And I said, Ernie cost me the cost, the price of a cup of coffee every week, and that is my sanity. So I have two, Bert, I have two boys in my home, Bert and Ernie. Ernie is the vacuum, and Bert is the mop. And I love those boys. So I thought, okay, Christy, you have committed to God to do this study. What are you going to do right now? Are you going to get involved in this cycle of they haven't done what I've asked them to do? This is terrible. This is disrespect. This is a plight to human dignity. They talk about anti-slavery, and now I'm actually a slave. And you know, and on I go, and on I go. It, it's it's bad. It's it's so bad. It's so bad. I actually spoke to my doctor the other day, and I said, "Do you realize?" Because she was complaining about her teenage boys, and I said, "Do you realize that the um, slavery rate in the Bayside area?" is actually enormous for women between the ages of 40 and 60. I said, I can give you some statistics. And she said, are you serious? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, you're actually talking to a bonded person? I said, I've actually broken free today. But, um, you know, you know I, I just have no choice. I just keep, you know, slavery is no choice. And I have no choice. I just keep going round and round and round in the circle of picking up dirty laundry. So anyway, I said to the Lord, help me. Break this cycle by the fruit of, your sp of the Spirit. And he said, well, that one would be self-control. Now sit down and don't even consider this. And I said, but can I talk to them about it when they get home? Nope. And Rob's doing a wedding. Can I talk to him when he gets home? Nope, because then he's got to go out and preach. Oh, well, is there ever a good time? Well, just give way to me in this, and then there will be a good time. And I did, and there was. And I had a very decent conversation with one of our daughters instead of the usual conversation. <laughs> so I broke the cycle. I gave way. I yielded. It's awful when you have to preach a message and you get tested on it all the time. No, guys. No, it's not funny. You get come here and you sit and you listen to, to this, but you do not realize that everything. Every, I'm about to say something this morning. I have to bite my lip. Bite. Bite my tongue. You know, I have to. I'm about to, you know, clean the kitchen bench, and instead of cleaning it mindfully, which I tell the girls to do, I'm about to storm up the stairs and put a load of washing on, because if I don't get it on, I'm going to start the week behind. I have to think relationship is more important than chores, isn't it? Yes. Yes. And then I walk out the back to the clothesline, didn't put my shoes on, and someone had let the dogs out in that, yes, 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 and that is never supposed to happen because you're not supposed to be let out that side of the house. I didn't say anything, but if I had of, it would have been appropriate because it was what I stood in. <laughs> I gave way because I thought I've got, that's why I was a little bit late because I have things to clean up. Because <laughs> I'm not bringing that stuff in here, right? In fact, some of us should not bring that stuff that we've had at home in here. 
we should give way to what God is going to do in and through us. So how might it look to you, maybe focusing your prayers on others instead of yourselves? Maybe helping someone else out, even if we have needs of our own. Being prepared to give, it's true, it really happened. And then I felt as if I need to actually use disinfectant. So I tried to find the disinfectant, and I couldn't find the disinfectant or the salt. It was upstairs in the girls' bathroom. Not good. Anyway, we're all good. We need to be prepared to be wrong. Can you say to yourself, I am prepared to be wrong? Can you? No, seriously. Good. Fantastic. Can you humble yourself? Because here's how it looks. You either humble yourself or you are humiliated. That's what happens. Empowering others when in fact we may want the same thing. Are you prepared to give the glory to another person? Being generous in your efforts towards others. Laying down our dreams and allowing God to recalibrate them to his desire for our lives. You know, I have seen so many people decide what their ministry is. This is my ministry. I have to leave the church because it's not doing what I need it to do for my ministry. I have news for you. We have only one ministry, and it's his ministry. We are in his service. And maybe if your ministry is not being expressed the way you think it is, maybe it's just not the right timing. Maybe you have to slow down. Maybe you have to gather more intel. Maybe you have to do some work on yourselves, myself. Only holding on to things and people if it brings us closer to Christ. You know, things are there for a reason. And we are supposed to use things and love people not love things and use people. If we consider, is what I'm doing or what I'm saying or how I'm behaving bringing me closer to Christ, am I yielding to Christ in my life or am I not? That will show us where we're at. It's a really good indicator. Laying down things that you think are his desire or are godly. You know, sometimes we, we, we become so obsessed, we create an idol. We actually make God in the image of our likeness. And that God gets very small. Because if you can imagine him and you can say, this is the only thing he will do and the only way he will operate and he will come through in this way, then I'm sorry, I, I don't want a God that's fashioned in the image of any one of our likenesses. I want the God who is the universe, who is unable, unfathomable, incredible, awesome, it may sound odd, but you know what? We need to have a death in order to have a resurrection. I think we Christians are far too good at CPR. We keep something half alive in a vegetative state because God said it to us somehow, and we think that it has to happen that way because that was a prophetic word, and that's what we saw, and that's the way it has to happen. Well, no. Sometimes we have to allow something to completely flatline so that there is a death, so that God can bring forth the resurrection. Sometimes we try to wrangle with a dream or a vision, and what happens is we end up bringing forth a, a, a weaker version. You know, in, in hospitals, they have a, a, a not-for-resuscitation order, and we need to be so brave and courageous that the, the things that we have held on to, that we are prepared to say, you know what, God, I'm not going to try to resuscitate that. 
But if you want that to happen, I am here. I am your servant. May it be as you have said, not as I have dictated. God may be asking us to surrender different things. And you know what? Even good things, because we can find God speak for them. Reconciliation with a friend or a loved one. I had a problem where I created that into an idol with someone. I was so determined to see reconciliation that it was the first thing I thought about in the morning, last thing I thought about at night. Every, it, it became an idol. God said, I, I'm, I, just leave that with me, will you? Just let it be. Leave it alone. Ministry calling, we wrestle with that when sometimes we just need to let it go. The desire to be recognized, the desire for acceptance, needing a career move, what we consider fair and just, and acknowledging that God and His ways are far greater. When we give way to or surrender to God, we are allowing Him to have the right of way in our lives. I'd just love to have a, a time where we can pray for you. And uh, just let this sink into you, to ask God to take the hardened parts of our heart and soften them, the cynical parts of our heart and breathe His oxygen, His hope, the callous parts and activate compassion in them, the withered parts as we stretch them out to God, as we don't try to hide them into ourselves, He makes them whole. The parts that are dead, we release into His hands for Him to bring about His resurrection life. He's done it before. He's inviting you to allow him to do it again. Don't get set in your ways of how he can do it. Just be like Mary. Be curious. Be in wonder. Get to the point where you go, look what, you know, my natural brain is telling me that's not possible. But I want to come into this place like Mary where I say, may it be as you have said. How can I be curious? How can I be have childlike faith. You alone can do it, but you don't have to do it alone.